Everybody can hear you, and now you're on screen. Boom! Hey. Did it, nonprofits. I'm the king of everything. You're you're not the king of everything. Um, so oh, this is nonprofits. This is. My name is Stephen Campbell. I'm Frankie French, and we are starting a podcast that I'm real pumped about, where we are going to work out material on different social issues and bring on some incredible nonprofits that are making an impact in the world and talk to them about those social issues, work those premises through with them, learn a little bit about the work that they're doing. Um, so yeah, that's that's the premise. You guys are here for, for episode one. This is literally uh, moment one. We're starting the podcast right now. We now, just start right now. Now, as it honestly, we're only going to record the parts where Frankie talks because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. How, how you doing over there, Frankie? Don't, don't steal my shtick. Okay, Steven, <laughs> I'm the one that ruins your life. You can't ruin, don't, don't eight mile me. Okay? I was just going to say, yeah, this yeah, is my don't... M&M moment where <laughs> I tell you that I did grow up in a trailer park and, and <laughs> right. material. Right. You do have a friend named Cheddar Bob that shot himself in the leg with his own gun. Like, don't come in here <laughs> at me like that. But I'm doing great. I've been like hanging out in quarantine and auditioning for a lot of TV shows. Um, I'm hoping that I send enough to where they're just like, oh, my God, put her on something so she could stop sending us these awful tapes. Yeah, I, I do that with the Vietnamese restaurant down the street that I keep telling them that they didn't send me an order that I wanted. And then eventually they just send you the order. So you stop calling. That, that, um, that's called stealing, Stephen. I don't know <laughs> if you're familiar with that term, um, but that's what that is. We just have different goals and I, I just don't shit on mine, huh? <laughs> that seems fair. Um, I'm very excited for this podcast. I've been telling people, anyone that would listen. And some people that didn't want to listen, I told them about this and I'm just excited. Thank you. Comedy hub, right? For just yeah. Shout out to comedy hub. Yeah. Uh, shout out to avenues for justice is who we'll be chatting with. Oh, I see. I love how you stole my thunder. That's where I was going with it. Thank you. White person. I, I love how you did that. I feel like I'm more dedicated because I have the avenues for justice literally on my back. True. Yeah. Yeah. You carrying them on the back. I um I I'm gonna get canceled by these by these few amount of viewers for taking the voice of a white of a black lady. Oh man, here I go. Yeah, wow, well, you're getting canceled <laughs> by your own voice. Even your voice is more progressive than you. It's like you know what? Let's strangle him from the inside. Thank you, Stephen's voice. I don't think that that's so. <laughs> so I I kind of want to just start going into it a little bit as far as like what we're trying to work out. So. What we're doing, uh, Avenues for Justice uh, helps uh, youth that have been put into incarceration and yep. reduces recidivism, right? So yep. the- What is recidivism, Stephen, for anyone watching that may not know that very technical term? Cool. Uh, recidivism is your rate of going back into yep. incarceration, right? So um, I believe that the- uh, the can, average... we, can, we pause, can we just put up can we pause on that for a second because i feel like a lot of people may have miss uh may have miss uh understandings around why people go back to prison once they come home mm. um and i think oftentimes you know just the casual observer is like oh well they went back because they deserve they couldn't you know maintain proper order in a, a polite society and that's not always the case a lot of times these kids come home and, and adults too but Specifically, we're talking about teens um, because that's what who Avenue for Justice works with. But they come home and they don't have the tools or the means to live like you know a productive member of society, and so yeah. they are uh, likely to reoffend because of those shortcomings um, within our society that we've built. So just you know, look, you got to look at it from from that with that mindset and from that perspective. I think yeah. I'm right, but. We'll have yeah. the guys we'll, from there come on and, and kind of go more into that. Yeah, we'll show we'll show you our very base knowledge of what we're talking about. And then that's why we bring in these nonprofit leaders that have a lot more expertise in it. Um, I think that the 
the rate that Wes was saying that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60% recidivism that people that go in very often go back at like a 60% rate, but avenues for justice works with these guys. Um, and their recidivism rate is at like 5%. Yeah. Um, which is dope, which is like really crazy. I, cause I think about like where I grew up, where I grew up, um, is an area that really enjoys heroin. Like, mwah, like, like, you know, wine country. Yeah. Like wine, country. wine country is, is to Napa what heroin country is to Simi Valley. Let's call it heroin hallway. Cause it's got a yeah. better, <laughs> it better, is, it, better it's, and so, um, I got very lucky that like, I, I was forced to go to college, right? My parents were just like, yo, you're the fuck out of the house if mm-hmm. you don't go to college. And, and if I would have stayed, like, I know that my trajectory because of everybody else's trajectory in the city mm-hmm. would have been to, uh, to, to get hooked and, and do all that fun stuff. And so it is a thing that um, when you are in an environment that- mm-hmm. um, Nature versus nurture. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And so kind of the premise that I'm working on right now, and it's, boy, is it a premise, but is the idea that I I had a lot of people that I was close to die, right? And whenever- From heroin? uh, Heroin, drugs, gangs. Just like uh, a general from the streets. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Just, just Just some easy street living. And um, I remember being in college when the bulk of them were dying and having this girl come up to me and she'd be like, hey, I know how it feels. My cat passed away a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and so I get it. And I was just like, no, no, not, don't. yeah, <laughs> no, you fucking don't. And, and I had a very similar thought during quarantine mm-hmm. that, I'm in a small New York apartment and the thought entered my head of like, oh my God, it's like being in a fucking prison cell. I, f- and- I know what my ancestors went through. Like, I feel you on that. <laughs> That's not, you know, you're not out of bounds with that. You know what I mean? I, we were in the house, like literally I didn't leave my house for like three months straight. I'm like 12 years a slave. I get it. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> right, right. It's, it's it, it, but it was like, I get, I get prison now because right. all, all they have is a smart TV and a seamless app where they can order Szechuan chicken at the, at the click of a button. I get, I get it. They, That's they, it. Just the basic essentials, just the basic. Right. All, yeah, all you have, all you have is, is your own bed and you can make sandwiches whenever you want and a rooftop when I'm feeling kind of down. And that's barely surviving. And in my head, I was like, it's like a prison cell. Like I, and, and I caught myself and I was like, you fucking asshole. Like that, that is not yeah, yeah. Like, close. Um, and, and I, so I wanted to kind of like work that idea out as like, there are a lot of causes that it's hard to empathize because you can't, yeah. right. It, it, you know, and it's, and you hear it a lot, uh, a lot of times when white people are talking about black issues, right? Where very often- Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so how much time do you have for me to tell you about black issues? Oh my God, so much time, <laughs> please. Because my dream of you getting canceled will come to life. Okay, go ahead, tell yeah. me. <laughs> so when you're black, um, <laughs> I. but it, it is this thing of like, um, it's this balancing act of, when do I sit back and shut the fuck up? Right. When do I engage in the conversation? Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've always felt with incarceration that it's like, no, I absolutely have no idea what is what it's what it is. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you how I think it might be. <laughs> right. I went, like, I went to jail for a week. Oh yeah. What well, for just just jail? You were just waiting for your court. Do you want to do? You, you want to know what happened? Yeah, yeah, please. So I was. Let me think. How old? I, I think I had just turned like eighteen, or maybe I was nineteen, right? And my best friend in the whole world. Um, I'm not going to say her name, but she stabbed her mom almost to death, right? Oh. And came to where I was living and was like, and covered in blood. So I'm like, oh my god, you know what happened? She wouldn't tell me what happened. So I'm like, okay, well. 
of course, I need to hide you, right? <laughs> right, because that's what you do when you're an idiot kid and your friend shows up covered in blood, right? Of course. So, but she's got a car and money and like, and I'm like, okay, did you murder someone? And she's like, I don't know. So long story short, I find out that her and her mom had a very tumultuous relationship. Um, this is the suburbs, okay? I grew up in white America. Like I, I grew up how Steven's, Steven's face looks like if yeah. do you know who my dad is was a person right let's just say that <laughs> um i grew up with those fucks right with those people that's who i grew up with and um, and she was actually spoiler alert you won't believe this this was another black girl right really? you, you, there were two of you <laughs> we <laughs> were the only two but when i said this girl stabbed her mom you immediately pictured like jennifer didn't you no i was- did yeah that's a very jennifer ashley it- move because, you know, Big Mama's like, knife, hold a second, you know, and she's going to pull out a razor and sure. cut you clean. So long story short, um, I took her stolen car because she stole, she stabbed her mom, stole her mom's car, stole her mom some money from her mom and went in the run. Her mom did not die. Let me say that. Her mom is alive and well. I've spent time with her mom actually recently, uh, and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman now. Anyway. Um, I took the car to 7-Eleven because I needed a pack of cigarettes. I no longer smoke cigarettes, but I needed a pack of cigarettes. I drove to 7-Eleven and the cop was like, asked me if I was her. And I was like, nope. And I tried to get in the car and pull out. And they were like, yeah, uh, (laughs) we're going to go ahead and take you to jail. They basically held me in jail for seven days until I either snitched on her or they found her. Um, and they found her seven days later. I did not break because snitches get stitches. Now as a fully formed adult, no, I would not hide my friend that showed <laughs> up covered from head to toe in blood. Clearly, that's not a good move. But, you know, I, I was in, in jail for seven days. Um, and it's it's just like how you imagine, horrific. There was uh, There were maggots in my soup. I don't mean that in a a uh, fun way there were like actual moving living breathing bugs can i that. can i stop you there what's the fun way to have maggots in your soup <laughs> well you don't remember the movie lost boys when he made the guy think that his noodles were maggots and he was like oh that's a that fun is a fun that is a fun way to have maggots in your soup that's a fun way haha <laughs> 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 you didn't think i'd have an answer for that Pa-pa. no i didn't no i didn't um so the 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 other part of the joke where I'd like to go and where I think I have a little bit more uh, legs on it mm-hmm. is the re- rehabilitation process after it, after incarceration, right? That that was something that like while you don't have the ability to empathize with somebody all the way, if you can take what the one one hundredth is of that event and then extrapolate, you can you can maybe not empathize completely, but still have I'd like feel for that person because they've had the Absolutely. 100x version of it. Experiences. So I think that if you can connect with me on a human level, you can have empathy. You don't may, may, may not know, but yeah, I believe in empathy. Go ahead. Sorry. So when I was, I was like a month and a half into lockdown and mm-hmm. I was on the roof and I was standing there in my sweats and pajamas, which I would wear for 72 hour periods. And lightweight, go ahead. I have two rotations. Okay, now we're talking. And so my neighbor comes upstairs and he was like, yo, uh, we made too much dinner. You should come down to dinner. And at that point, I had realized that my my ability, my so my social computer had been so inundated with new information on how to interact with people. Everybody is a six foot bioweapon. I don't want <laughs> to eat it. Like I, I just don't want any sort of human interaction. But at the same time, I was like, I, I, I need human interaction. Um, and so I, I just stared at him for what I can only describe as way too long, like with the, <laughs> with, with no response, just kind of. Like- Oh shit. And I was just like running through my head. I was like, you know this, you know, dinner. What do you say? The worst part is as you're in locked in that moment, like you said, you're just turning it over in your mind. 
and it's the time is ticking by longer. So you're just standing there looking weird for longer. <laughs> Very much so. And 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 so all of a sudden, like uh, something comes out of instinct. It's like, what can I bring? And he's like, nothing. When dinner's ready, it was like, oh my god, that was my buffer. I needed to. Right, I needed a thing. Yeah, with this guy. And so I was like, okay, um, let me uh, let me get a cup. <laughs> and, and and he was like, you don't need to get a cup. I'll get a cup because like I don't like. So you brought your own cup to this very lovely person's house? Well, he's my upstairs neighbor, right? And so like I live oh, in this walk up. white. Please say he's white. <laughs> he's Puerto Rican. Ooh, and, and oh, oh God, you look so racist. I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> that, it, it was, I was hoping it wouldn't be until now. But it's so <laughs> I, I go downstairs and um, I'm sitting in my, my kitchen and I, I'm wearing my sweats and I was like, you can't wear sweats to dinner. But there's already this like added thing that he's your neighbor and I've never been to a dinner at his place. And so like this guy what knows that I live- What was he wearing when he invited you? The sweats, I was wearing those sweats. Well, what was he wearing? What was your neighbor wearing when he, he invited you? He was wearing you? jeans and that was, that was the thing. And I was like, okay. I was like, that look was at this pretty toity fuck wearing jeans during <laughs> Oh. Look at neighbor boy. Okay, with your fancy schmancy Wrangler jeans. I have a friend that she's been dressing up every day for work. Like, like she would go into the office because, like, psychologically, it puts her in a place to work. But yeah. like, um, I, your friend's a sociopath. I don't. I know think the first that. thing that I did was just burn my ties. I, <laughs> I, I was just, I was, yo, I was going, I was going nuts during quarantine, right? And so I go down to my place and I stand in one place for probably 10 minutes, just like trying to dissect what I should do. Should I change my pants? He saw my sweats. What should I do? And I oh, go, and so it takes me about 10 minutes to just grab a cup. And so I come up to his, his apartment and I just have the cup. And I I'm love just, that. And he's like, they're all sitting at the table. There's a wine glass filled and I just have my cup and I just put it down. And he, he's got wipes on the table and they're they're eating ribs but i thought that it was to show that i had cleaned my hands so oh, i did what what do you mean wait a minute hold on a second pause are you telling me you thought the wet wipes were for you to like this is my palm this is me wiping see the evidence of this now clean wet wipe that i have actually is that what you thought they wanted well when you say it like that it sounds stupid oh that's a lot you're such an idiot. I love it. Okay, keep going. So I did this like Pontius Pilot shit, like where I was just cleaning my hands in front of him like, to be like, be like, look, as clean as a whistle. And and so then I quickly realized that that was for after I ate the ribs. Yeah. And so so now I'm sitting there understanding that, but clenching the ribs or clenching the white and eating the ribs with just one hand and just like kind of gnawing on it like so you're this. You're getting wet white juice onto your ribs. hundred percent. And I just smell wipes as I'm eating these delicious ass ribs. Very, very good. Puerto Rican ribs. Puerto Rican ribs. Yes. And which I don't see color as we said, as we already talked about, but I, (laughs) not in ribs anyway. And so I thought you bringing your own cup. It was just empty the whole fucking time. It's just sitting there an empty cup. So what did you drink out of? The wine glass that he had already filled for me. I Which I also it. brought this like red plastic, like not like a solo cup, but just this red plastic cup that I have. And like, I thought that was okay for wine. Like you should have just... been like in my country of Caucasian Mary <laughs> to bring a red cup in solidarity of my brethren. And you should have like, this cup is now bestowed upon you. That's that would have that made more sense if I brought a red solo cup. And Ooh. he was just, because that is, that is a little bit more, uh, that's it's whitey broy type situation. That is part bring. of call culture. It is call culture. And <laughs> and so I couldn't interact with them. Like I had made a rule in my head that I only watched COVID news once a week, and it was on Monday, and this was on a Wednesday. And so when they started talking about COVID, as everybody's apt to do, especially when the shit first started, <laughs> I, they asked me something, and I said, "Oh, actually, I only talk about that once a week." And <laughs> you I said just, in a social setting. Well, actually, I reserve all COVID convos. That's what I'm calling them now. I reserve them for Mondays because, oh my God, Mondays. As I, am I right? Like, ew. So I, I but I, 
I say all that to say that that was the least in not the least intent, but just like such a fraction, fraction, fraction of being incarcerated and being in the culture of incarceration and then coming out. And after that, I just like, I just started like, again, like empathizing with with that process of rehabilitation so much more because I was just so unable to, with a low stress level, even even affiliate with people, let alone like hold a regular conversation and, and just interact in like a dinner setting. Um, that's hilarious. That story is hilarious. And hey. making that comparison between being in quarantine and being incarcerated, um, definitely kind of gets that point across. It gets a couple of points across, right? I feel like we as Americans, um, even myself, you know, I go through hardship, um, you know, and, and things are difficult oftentimes based on who I am. Um, at the same time, I am afforded a lot of privilege too, sure. just being American, right? And it's things like that, like literally being in my house, I'm like, ah, seriously, I completely get 12 years of slave. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then you having to like rehab after being in the house for three months, hilarious. Because we oftentimes don't even think of what another person may be going through. We don't have, you know, the scope or the breadth of knowledge or experience to know what it's like to be. And that little slice of not having full access to, but having most of your amenities and all of your needs satiated, right, right, at your will, you know what I mean? When you're incarcerated, it's, you have a time you get up, you have a time you shower, you have a time you eat, you have a time you get, you know what I mean? Someone else is dictating everything to you, but we as Americans, we have our freedom, you know, restricted in by mildly inconvenienced and we lose our minds. And so think about how like everybody went, went wild like remember the toilet paper takers the toilet paper takers those were maybe the worst people of all of covid they were because think about like okay just think about the logistics of that i live in brooklyn where nobody has a car and people are cleaning out like 60 to 75 rolls of toilet paper you are you're a fucking toilet sherpa walking all the way all the way down the street and the whole time at no part are you just like oh maybe maybe this is fucking stupid what i'm doing but It is just like, there's example after example of people through quarantine, like losing it a little bit. And, and it was just this thing of like, I don't know how to tie it into a nice little bow for a joke, but it is this thing of like trying to write more in the space of let's empathize with other people's positions Mm -hmm. by giving very small uh, examples of me not being able to handle much more minuscule position. Um, but yeah, I don't really know where it goes from there, but that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I mean, it's fun and poignant and topical. So I I like, you know what I mean? On, on a lot of different levels, you know what I mean? It's not just, you know, making people think about, uh, incarceration among youth, you know, youth and inner city youth in particular, but it's also making us think about the pandemic and how we've handled that. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different layers and slices to it. So I think it's going to be fun to do on stage. It is this thing that it was like, it's the first thing that everybody went through together. Right. Universally you know? we went through it together on some and level. It's like, yeah. If, if, you know, people used to do small talk about the weather. If you come to me with some, some bullshit ass small talk about the weather, just come on, talk about some of your hardships, talk about the struggles. You didn't like wrestle with your own self-identity or something exactly um Um, i've been i saw earlier today something that sparked because i've been trying to think you know what could i what kind of premise could i come up with i haven't come up with a joke yours is far more fleshed out than mine is but i think there's something in that like i saw today that this is going to be a weird deep pull but i saw that ricky schroeder that's right you heard what i said Ricky Schroeder of the 80s classic Silver Spoons. Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't know who Ricky Schroeder is? Please. You know I don't. Okay. All right. Well, um, go on. Everyone, I'm no, I'm not moving on. There's no way on any planet that I'm moving on. I'm calling you out is what's happening right now. Uh, everyone watching, please also know this about Stephen Campbell. He doesn't know who Quincy Jones is. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> but I, I read earlier that are you Googling Ricky Schroeder? I 
may back have in the, done back that. in the 80s i think late 80s early 90s i can't remember but back in the day there was this show uh, it was a 30 minute sitcom that came on saturday nights called silver spoons here mm. we are face to face a couple of silver spoons what hoping to find we're two of a kind okay whatever um yes i remember every 80s sitcom tv show we'll, we'll address that later we we can talk about it later um, <laughs> they also gave us leonardo dicaprio he made a guest appearance on there back in the day and that's you know so thank you silver spoons but the lead ricky schroeder played this adorable young blonde kid right uh, I should have known something was wrong with him because he looks exactly like the little blonde kid that told me to go back to Africa in kindergarten. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, but he recently gave Kyle Rittenhouse, you heard what I said, uh. the monster animal asshole that drove across state lines with an illegal gun to go mow down peaceful protesters, that piece of trash. He helped, gave him $150,000 towards his $2 million bail to get him out because, you know, he's just a young kid and deserves a shot, mm. right? So I feel like the dichotomy between that and there's another young gentleman um, whose name escapes me and I feel like an animal because of it, but he was, um, uh, I'm looking up his name right now. He was- the dude um, that's, that got hit for stealing a backpack or whatever. Yes! Yeah. Oh my God, yes. And went to jail and uh, for two years. Khalif, Khalif, Khalif Browder. Browder. Yes, Khalif Browder. Thank you so much. Khalif Browder, this sweet baby went to jail for stealing a backpack for two years, right? And um, was suffered so significantly while in there, he could not remount. He could not make it back. And he committed suicide. He died by suicide, mm. you know? And no, okay, I will give you all that this is not funny. I have not said anything funny yet, <laughs> but I really love showing, I take, these are, the, these are the kind of things that motivate me to write jokes. I'm going to take this picture and flip it around somehow in some way, um, especially leveraging what Avenues for Justice does for teens. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the uh, statistic is it takes 350000 a year to keep a teen in, incarcerated. And what Avenues for Justice does for these kids in a year costs $5,000. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. there's, there's all of these numbers and money and the, just the blatant example of privilege and how different people from different demos are treated I'm going to take that and make it into a joke. And we'll play me doing it on stage in like two weeks here. So if you're a Facebook um, watcher, you'll see it. All right. You know, it's a tough reach. I'll try to delve into it. But um, first, mm -hmm. 2 million for Rittenhouse and they spent 700, 1.3 million or 1, 1 million on Khalif, right? If you're saying $350,000 a year to keep somebody incarcerated. Mm -hmm. um, so Ricky, okay, Ricky Schroeder, is he, he's, but wasn't he in a band also? No, Sweet Pea. Oh my God. Please get your life together. I don't know who raised you. I don't know what your sitch is, but I'm going to need you to get your shit together. Okay. okay? I knew about, I knew about Rittenhouse and, and, Khalif, why why does it matter that I don't know about this obscure ass <laughs> 1980s sitcom? Um, you know what really bothers me about the whole Ricky Schroeder thing? I used to work at Sam Goody, okay? Please tell me you don't know what Sam Goody is. Well, it's not a thing. Sam Goody used to be, remember back in the olden times when there were record stores and you would have sure. to purchase a, a, a compact disc or CD? Well, Sam Goody was a store that how that that did that they were a music store right sure and I used to manage one and then when I moved to LA I just transferred and managed the the Sam Goody at um at Universal City Walk and one day who comes in my store Dave Matthews and who's in tow Ricky Schroeder and when I met him that day he was a super nice guy and now I find out he's a monster Okay, sorry, moving on. That, that what if, what if? okay, maybe maybe the joke is in the the difference between the shows, 
like something along along the lines of like if there were more black tv shows then maybe those washed up stars would be able to bail there there's something there yeah i see i see the the parallel you're making um but i think when we do this show in december and once we have dates and everything we'll advertise it here and let you guys know when we do the show in december i say we try out a slew of these jokes and then you know obviously film and then we can play and let our audience see what we were able to do with it i feel like we should bring the avenue guys on we've had a while yeah um as we discussed on the front end uh we're working with a wonderful nonprofit, Avenues for Justice. Um, right there, behind me, on my back. Uh, yeah, and um, and so we're going to talk to them a little about the work that they're doing, um, a little bit about the concepts that we're trying to work out into jokes, and just uh, talk a little bit about the social issues that they're addressing in general. So um, without further ado, give it up for Wes Mensch and Johnny Jera. Yay, Weston and Johnny. So excited to have these guys on. Hey everyone, how are you? Here, give it one second. One second. Doing a little transfer to the screens, making more screens happen. Hey everyone. There we go. Les and Johnny, everybody. Thanks for having having us. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah. So I guess if we start out, uh, Wes, Johnny, what do you guys do? And or like, what what is your role in Avenues for Justice? And maybe just a quick, uh, what what is the overarching like mission of Avenues for Justice? And it was like you- your elevator pitch. Like if we were on an elevator, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm looking to invest in some nonprofits, and you're like, <laughs> hey, you're in luck. I work for a nonprofit. What would you tell me? Yeah, so I'll I'll start and in- introduce myself, and then I'll let Johnny introduce himself and. Uh, give the pitch. So um, my name is Wes. Uh, I'm the communications and data specialist for Avenues for Justice. I've been with the organization for three years now. And um, yeah, I, I really love working with uh, the youth in our program and working on fundraising and lots of really cool development um, tasks. So um, I want to toss it over to Johnny, who's going to tell us a little bit about uh, what AFJ does. Hey, Johnny. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Um, So my name is Johnny. I am a core advocate in the Lower East Side. I'm also the activities and volunteers coordinator for Avenues for Justice. Um, And in regards to the elevator pitch, um, I would tell you that, you know, AFJ was, um, is one of the first alternative to incarceration programs in the United States. We began back in the 1970s. Uh, We work with you. I'm sorry. I was just, never mind. Nothing. Go ahead. I was saying in 79, I was reading about you guys earlier. Sorry. Awesome. Um, so we work with uh, youth from the ages of 13 to 24. The majority of our participants have active court and legal proceedings in the criminal justice system, but we also work with at-risk at youth. Um, and our primary goal is to be able to provide a second chance for our participants uh, at freedom, at life in general. And we do this by providing court advocacy uh, where we try to get them through their legal matters successfully. Every time a young man or young woman has court, we go to court with them. We advocate on their behalf. We're there every step of the way. Um, you know, we're very hands-on. We also um, help to help them by providing them with like school and or employment opportunities to be able to succeed in their lives, to build for a, a better present, but more importantly, a better future. That's incredible. Do you guys get a lot of support from their parents or are these at-risk kids that don't really have parental guidance in their life or other adult mentors? Um, we, in regards to the parents, I mean, it, it's always hit or miss. We, we may have some kids that do have the parental support, which mm-hmm. is great because again, you need a village to be able to get some Absolutely. of these kids through that finish line successfully. Then we have kids who unfortunately don't have, you know, mom or dad in the picture, or if they do, they're not a positive role model you know, for them, which is tough because again, if we come across a case like that, the the young man or the young woman 
basically has no one in their life or has never had someone in their life that could actually be able to support them and guide them and right. give them the advice and love that they need. So that's another reason why we as core advocates play a crucial role in their lives because you know, like when I'm at our community center, I look at them as little brothers, little sisters, trying to guide them, trying to give them, you know, good advice, but more importantly, show them that I care about them and also yeah. show them love because that's what they lack. Yeah. I, I could have used you guys when I was growing up. Two things really quick. One, uh, one of these things is not like the other. That's Stephen, who does not have the appropriate background. Um, two, and more... <laughs> <laughs> Two, and more importantly, I would love if you guys can tell one each, or if there's one collectively that you know of that you want to share together, great. Um, can we'd love to hear a success story? You don't have to name a name, you know, we can keep anonymity, but you know, this person was in this situation and now they're doing amazing. We would love to hear hear one of those. Um so one success story that pop that pops out to me is uh is a young man that I work with and I'm still working with him um been working with him for the last 4 years or so um this young man at the age of 2 he went into the foster care system wow. you know when when I met him he was already within 14 foster homes you mm -hmm. know which is tough and he, you know, got caught up in a situation. He, you know, he had a criminal legal matter that fortunately we were able to resolve and get him through it. But the reason why I say he stands out to me is because he had gone through so much, you know, between that and being in psyche, um, psychiatric hospitals and, you know, having incidents at, you know, like in school and whatnot. And I was always there every step of the way. I remember once, you know, he was at a psych hospital uh, because of an incident that occurred at school. My colleague and I went to go visit him. And the one thing that I'll never forget is the fact that when he saw us, he looked at me and he looked at my colleague and he was like, guys, you guys are the first ones that have come to visit me. And to me, that was just touching. And it just goes to show me that again, we play these crucial roles in their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, as I mentioned before, we were able to get him through his legal matter successfully. He got what they call the youthful offender status, which is um, it seals your record. It's more or less like you never committed the crime that you were being charged with. Um, and in addition to that, he also graduated from high school. Yeah. Now he's looking to, to go to college and pursue yeah. music. Um, that's beautiful. He does music, you said? Yes, he loves music. He's very artistic. That is fantastic. That's fantastic. I love to hear that. That's yeah. yeah, it's also it's also very um, you hear time and time again that just having some sort of social structure just mm -hmm. adds so much. Uh, it it motivates. It it does just um, the social structure is very important, and just having somebody that is caring for you, somebody that you know that does care, because um, it is you know again a different experience. But where I was growing up. A lot of times the kids that would be, uh, you know, most at risk were very often the ones that their parents weren't there or, or, you know, abusive family type, type of situation. So it is really dope that you guys are doing that and adding that sort of uh, social structure for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, um, I would love to add another success story. Oh my God, uh, please. Yeah. And this, I, <laughs> this kid in particular showed the. Um, dynamic of someone who anybody could be just teetering on the edge of slipping into the incarceration and just criminal justice system or being totally fine. Um, so this is a young man who's 17 years old and only a freshman in high school. So he hasn't really been going to class. Um, his cousin hit him up and was like, we're going to go buy a pair of shoes off of this kid in the street. He went with him. And then at the transaction part of this encounter, um, his cousin try to steal the shoes and uh the afj kid in reaction um helped his cousin out and like punched the kid in the face and then they both ran and the cops ended up getting called they were both found and because our participant threw a punch and was involved in the robbery yeah. uh, he got tacked on with um assault and robbery 
So now he's facing prison time for really just kind of childish stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And immediately he's brought to our program and he has two supportive parents. The uh, mom would come and cook for the participants once a week. Um, we got him a tutor immediately. He, he was failing a lot of his classes. He immediately started getting A's. He now has uh, a clothing store that he runs through Instagram. Up. Um, yeah, he's he's really good at basketball. Like he works really hard. He's just a normal kid. And it also it showed that you don't have to have some sort of, you know, story of a background to get into caught up in these legal matters. You really can just, you know, you might not be able to like Khalif, you might not be able to afford bail. And all of a sudden you're just right. stuck somewhere that you can't get out of yep. at no fault of your nature or nurture and then with this kid you know all he needed was someone to say hey man go to class like stop being an idiot you're smart like right. you, you can do this and within a year he was just on his feet he didn't it's not that he didn't need us anymore but he was just a normal kid being himself at that I point I love that story I love both of those stories they're so mm -hmm. important can I can I mention so everybody watching on Twitch um I think there is a donate button that you'll start seeing in the chat bar. I think Jared Comedy Hub, what's up? Um, so please feel free to uh, uh, to use that link um, and and give 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 give. Um, and just to reiterate, did I get that statistic or that um, that data right in terms of how much it costs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just think yeah. about that as you're donating. You're really, you know, even if it's a small amount, it's making a big impact. You know what I Definitely. mean? That it only costs five thousand dollars for them to take one child through this program for a year. So mm -hmm. think about, you know what I mean? Just think about that math. That's am amazing. That's incredibly inexpensive. And incredibly think about the three hundred fifty thousand dollars that is being paid to incarcerate these kids is also being paid by you, just in a different form. Right. Um, right. That's tax money. Yep, that's, that's coming out of the paycheck. Excellent point. Excellent point. We only have about um, about nine more minutes, so let's okay. make sure we get that uh, donate button up there. Um, so one thing I wanted to touch on is that a big part of what Stephen and I do is stand up comedy. So that's our platform. That's our primary medium uh, for getting whatever messages, <clears throat> whatever messages it is that we want to kind of convey to our fan base, our audiences or whoever, whoever we're interfacing with at different shows. Um, and that's why I think both Steven and I consistently throughout our careers, not just because of um, this show, we've always shed light on social injustices um, just kind of over the course of our, our career, that's just what we do. Um, that said, we do that out of love and out of a true genuine passion to fight against social injustice. It's never to make fun or to punch down or to make anyone that's dealing with those circumstances to feel bad. It's always to uplift, it's always to educate, and it's always to add levity to some things that are very deep and painful. Um, but we can use comedy to kind of get through those things. That said, I know you guys are backstage listening to Steven's wacky, super hilarious um, take on uh, incarceration. What did, what did you guys think of kind of here or watching how the sausage is made? I hate that fucking that freaking term. I hate it, yeah. but I'm going to use it. What did you guys think about those jo or his joke? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. Let me you know? let me let me help direct a little bit. <laughs> what we were kind of talking about is how the rehabilitation process after you've been incarcerated what do you guys see as some of the major, um, what are some of the first conversations that you guys are having with kids that are in your program post-incarceration? And how do you, you know, this is, and we, we've got a little bit more time than, than the nine minutes. Oh, we but do? Yeah, it, what, what are some of the conversations that you guys are having on the front end once somebody gets out to help them assimilate into a society that really doesn't understand what they've been through mm -hmm. um you know when, when a kid usually gets out of jail or prison it's tough because they've been in there you don't know what they've gone through you know whether that's a short um time in jail or whether that's a long time in jail if it's a long time in jail they most likely uh have been institutionalized um 
And and like I said before, that's difficult because again, there's a lot of trauma that you that these kids go through while they're incarcerated. Um, another thing is for me and my personal belief is how do how do you expect these kids to actually be able to rehabilitate themselves when they're just behind bars? They're not being productive while in jail. They're not really obtaining any sort of skills. They're more or less when you come back into society, you could be able to implement this, you know, and within within the jail system, I feel like you're just setting them up for failure because, you know, I, prior to us getting on, I know that you guys were talking about how some of these kids, you know, they they go back to doing what they knew and what got them into the, into the um, criminal justice system. You know, so I think in, in order to address that problem, you need to equip these kids with proper employment training programs, mm -hmm. with proper proper programs like ours, where we're showing them, you know, like every step of the way, like, hey, you could be able to do this. For example, in, in Avenues for Justice, we offer an OSHA 30 course for our kids mm -hmm. to be able to help them get, you know, the, the certification and the OSHA 30. If they want to pursue construction, they could be able to do that. We also have a digital literacy course to be able to provide these kids with the proper knowledge and computer skills. It could be basic computer skills, you know, and again, that goes a long way. And once they complete these, um, you know, these uh, modules, they get certifications that once they go to employment, um, you know, interviews and whatnot, they could be able to show like, hey, I have these certifications. I have these skills, you know, and, you know, like it's tough because again, we're talking about young men and women who don't have any type of employment background. So how do you expect them to get back on their feet once they actually are back within society? You know, and, and this is rough, you know, but like I said before, I think that there needs to be more programs like ours to be able to help out these people that are in need. Word. And I, I do appreciate you guys doing that um again guys we've been dropping the donate button i've been informed we've been dropping the donate button the whole show but we're watching on zoom we don't see the twitch we can't see it um guys any any closing words anything uh anybody in new york that can help can volunteer look up avenues uh, avenues for justice um do you guys have any uh closing words or anything that you'd like to say before we take off so I'll start and then I'll let Johnny finish with um, volunteer information. Cool. Um, so right now, uh, if you can go to our website, avenuesforjustice.org, um, follow us on Instagram at avenuesforjustice. You can keep up to date with a lot of the like successes that a lot of our clients are having. Um, despite going into the pandemic the last few months, we have had a lot of successes. As Johnny's laid out, we've instituted a lot of virtual um, learning and certifications. And so you can follow all that on our Instagram page and our website. Um, and also if you are a, um, if you own a business, if you're a corporation and you're listening, uh, we started a new program called Higher Up during the pandemic. And we're looking for corporations and, bus and businesses who are interested in providing mentorships, then intern internships, and then eventually if the person is qualified, hiring that person. Um, a lot of times a mentorship or an internship can really be a one-off thing. Um, and we're, we're trying to set our participants up for long-term success and employment at the end of the day. So um, please uh, go to our website and just shoot us an email uh, if you are interested in that program. Um, I know Johnny, uh, also please donate. Um, as we talked about earlier, $5,000 goes a really long way. Um, so if, you know, hundred people gave 50 bucks or if a thousand people gave five bucks, you know, we can get the resources we need to help a kid for an entire year. So please, um, if the donate link is working, if not, you can go to our website and donate directly through there. Um, we'd really appreciate the support. And then Johnny, do you want to talk about volunteer? Yes. Um, 
So I'm going to provide my email address. Um, I know that we're a little short on time. Um, if anyone out there is interested in wanting to volunteer with our organization, we could be able to set up a volunteer assessment. I will dive into the volunteer opportunities and more or less um, just being able to work with these young men and women, because again, uh, it goes a long way. Um, volunteers play a crucial role in their lives, being able to help them with tutoring, with homework, you know, again, it's, it's crucial. Uh, my email address is jjara at avenues with an S for F-O-R justice.org. Excellent. I have a quick question for both of you guys. Do you guys have any <clears throat> Any like um, Instagram link, like advertisements that you can send us that we can share? I'd love to share just, you know, share your information if you have like about just kind of like a little video telling about what you do that I could share like on my social medias. Yeah. So if you're a listener, follow us at Avenues for Justice. Um, but Frankie, I'll definitely send you the um, the videos we have. Uh, we recently had a fundraising campaign and we had some promotional materials. Oh, dope. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get all that to you. Excellent. Awesome. Johnny, Weston, you guys are absolutely amazing. I cannot tell you how near and dear to my heart <clears throat> what you guys do is. My brother um, was uh, arrested for armed robbery uh, years ago when he was like 18, 19 years old. Uh, first offense. And um, he and, and the, his, what he was armed with was his mouth. Um, they said he incited a riot. And because he incited that riot, that Jesus. the... The people around him stole, uh, robbed the place that they were at. Um, and he got 40 years in prison on his first offense. And there was a white gentleman that was being sentenced right before him and got like three to five years. So we were in the courtroom like, okay, you know, cool. He's gonna, he's not gonna get, you know, that it's not gonna be that bad. And he ended up getting 40 years. He got out in, in 19 um, because back then they had like day for day, I think it was called where Every day you were in prison, they would give you a day. Does that make sense? Um, so he got out in you know kind of half the time, but still horrific situation. And I remember being you know a teenager and going to see my brother in prison. You know what I mean? So what you guys do is in, is needed. Um, it's necessary. It's amazing. Thank you, Avenues for Justice. You heard about them here, but follow them on their pages and donate money and tell your friends to give them money, please. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Um, also, nonprofits, uh, we spelt it like P-H-E-T-S because we're so creative. Aren't we fun? But uh, nonprofits, we're going to be doing this on Comedy Hub on Tuesdays at 630. Um, my name is Stephen Campbell. I'm Frankie French. We'll be back and, next uh, week, right? Uh, yes. If not, yeah. yes. We'll, yes. All right. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank for you everything. so much. Thanks, everyone. Uh, give it up Have one more time for Wes and Johnny. Um, and that's that's the show. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And now I don't actually know. Oh, cool. Okay. It just it's phases oh, on out. Awesome.